0: So we talk a, a lot about people online missing out on stuff, but let me just say, uh, you guys online, um, you're missing out on an odor this morning <laughs> that um, I can't describe. Maybe it's not worth mentioning, but I, I think it is because it reminds us that like this is a temporary shell, and it's all going to be rebuilt. And sometimes Satan brings up those stinky things in your life, and you can just remind him. God's doing a work in me. I'm not complete yet. Amen. End of sermon. Not. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> a, couple, a couple of housekeeping things. I also had some people mention that they really uh, liked that video last week on holiness that the Bible Project did. And let me just let you guys know, I mention this every week, but our online Bible reading, um, the thing to me that's got me this time is that those videos are like sprinkled throughout the reading. So like as you're reading through or listening through like I do I listen uh, to the audio uh, Bible while I'm getting ready in the morning at the beginning of every book of the Bible you have the Bible project introduction to that book and then whenever biblical things come up in the text you have like that that video that video on holiness was one of the videos uh, that they showed I think it was in the book of Genesis so uh, we would love for you to be part of that the group is growing uh, we started in March but being behind is like the best part where you just get like to catch up and see really big chunks of scripture. So uh, tinyurl.com forward slash Bible 22 if you want to join the group um, and get on that. It's, um, it's really, really great. Um, <clears throat> so, all right, back to today. Today's the last sermon in our series, uh, Illuminate, and today it's going to be about um, your reaction uh, to what we talked about the last two weeks. And the whole point is for us to be the light. Um, two weeks ago, we, we talked about what the astronauts were talking about today, this whole idea of, like, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. There was light. Um, and we can see that light, the light of creation in the cosmic background. Like, we showed that the first week, that that light is still present uh, in the world today, that light of creation. And that act of creation uh, was was the illustration we used that first week for the fact that God is desiring uh, to bring his light into your darkness, uh, to add structure and purpose into your formless void world, and to move all chaos to harmony. And we had that great um, communion thought from Libby last week along those same lines. So um, to get started, let me put my glass, push my glasses up because uh, I'm about to get nerdy for a second. Um, the first illustration I want to talk to you guys about is about um, uh, the laws of thermodynamics and entropy. And um, we have four laws of thermodynamics. You might have heard them, they're popular, um, most of the time people think of them as falling into the realm of physics. They're a little bit of physics, a little bit of statistics, so I'm qualified to talk about them this morning. <laughs> um, first law. So. You're probably familiar with it, there are four, they're called the zero law, first law, second law, third law. I know that's confusing, most science is. The first law of thermodynamics and the second law are the ones I want to focus on today. The first law is probably the most familiar that says that energy can't be created or destroyed, it can only change form. And that is a very simplistic way of looking at that law, but that should be something that you've all heard at one point or another. The amount of energy that that we started with at the beginning, when there was light, at at the Big Bang, that is the energy that we have. We can't get any more, we can't get rid of any of it. It can just change form, so it can be useful energy or useless energy depending on the form that it takes. Uh, And then the second law says that um, entropy is always increasing. And that's a little bit more difficult to understand, but you can kind of think about it as um, entropy and energy and heat and light, they're all related. They're all kind of talking about the same thing. And what that means is everything is going from hot to cold, reaching an equilibrium. Everything is going from brightness to darkness. Everything is going from order to disorder. If there is any order in the world, it's moving towards disorder. That is a property of physics. And you see it in the world around you. Let me see, I have some illustrations here. Um, When you are stirring your coffee, right? you pour creamer into your coffee, maybe you're a black coffee drinker, you just have to imagine, those of us who pour cream in. When you stir your coffee, it mixes the creamer into the coffee. It doesn't separate the creamer and the coffee. That's the second law of thermodynamics at play. Uh, another illustration would be uh, in a game of pool. Pool starts in a very ordered state, right, it has the balls in the triangular form, and you hit the cue ball, you add some, some energy into the system, and those balls go everywhere, and it would blow your mind if they bounce, 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 bounce back into that triangle, right? We're never getting that triangle back. It's gonna be disorder on on the, on the board. Um, another one would be like our smoke logo that you guys have seen. Um, you would be able to tell if that logo was running backwards because smoke spreads out. It doesn't come back together. You see what I'm saying? So order is moving to disorder. Light is moving to darkness. Hot is moving to cold. That is inevitable. And what that means is... Um, that uh, you can kind of think about heat or light as like the currency of the universe. And the only thing that's certain is death and taxes. And we use that currency to try to get things done. We use the energy or the light to get work done, um, but that's only, only a temporary thing because everything is moving from order to chaos, from light to dark, from hot to cold. Um, and you can see it in your life. You're constantly trying to consume energy until you can't anymore, and then you die. Uh, the same thing is going to happen to the earth. The earth is constantly consuming in, uh, energy or light or heat, however you want to think about it, until one day it doesn't, and then it'll die. The same thing is going to happen to our sun. In fact, the entire universe is moving from order to chaos, from light to dark, from hot to cold, and eventually everything is just going to spread out and become evenly chaotic and cold, and that's called the heat death of the universe. And there's nothing that we can do to stop it. Yeah, that's, that's wild to think about. It doesn't fill you with hope. Well, you might argue with me. You might say, Nathan, I, th- that can't be the case because in the world today, I can s- observe things moving from disorder to order. Right, you can see that happening. You can see it happening in nature. You can uh, watch a beaver cut logs and build a dam. That's adding order to the river, which was disorder. Um, you can see something like that, or just in humanity. Right, we as a being can take something that's disordered, like those cue balls, and put them back into the triangle, add order to the system. And the interesting thing is, you think that well, that breaks. The second law of thermodynamics because everything is moving from chaos, uh, sorry, from order to chaos, from light to dark, uh, from hot to cold, and it actually doesn't. And it's because we have a special thing happening with us on Earth. We have this huge ball in the sky um, of gas that's burning, that's adding energy constantly to the system called the Earth. And so we actually couldn't do any of the things that I just mentioned, us or, or the animals or nature, if we weren't constantly being bombarded with the light from the sun. And that light is useful and we take that light and we do things with it. If you think about it, um, the work that you do is because of the food that you consume and the food that you consume either consumed light or it ate something that ate light. You guys see how that works? You are using the sun to fuel you as you move things uh, from disorder to order. Uh, the same thing happens um, if you turned on your car, right? Or you, t- or you flipped on the light. Our understanding right now is that coal and natural gas and gasoline, they all come from uh, crude oil, this, this stuff that comes from the ground. It's old plants. Those old plants captured energy from the sun and held it so that I can drive to the store. That's pretty crazy. And the sun is the only thing that makes it possible for us to have life on earth. If it wasn't for the sun, there wouldn't be anything here. And we see that on other planets that are farther away. They don't get enough energy, and so they can't do any work with that. And so not only has the, the universe been created for us to live in, um, but God has left his fingerprints everywhere. Uh, just like we can't exist without the sun, um, we can't exist without God. And even if we could exist, there wouldn't be really any meaning to our existence. There would be no purpose. There would be no way of doing anything. Um, Paul talks about this in his first letter to the Corinthians. He puts it this way. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, he's talking specifically about food offered to idols. As indeed, there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, sorry, from whom are all things and to, and for whom we, I gotta start over. From whom are all things and for whom we exist. And there's one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. What the writer is saying right here is, From God came everything, and everything came through Christ Jesus. And why did that happen? For God. That's it. That is the explanation that we came up with that very first week, that God is wanting to bring light into our darkness and to move our chaos into order. And there's not a great explanation for why other than he likes getting glory. That's part of his character. Um, Maisie, in her summer camp, so we, we brought the kids back from Spark, and you guys might have heard their, their like, report video a few weeks ago. If, if not, you can find it on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, but the younger kids had slightly more basic, you know, like, thoughts or takeaways, or that's what it seemed like in the video. Um, and I was just thinking about it this week. Wesley mentioned um, in his takeaway that sometimes we just need to thank the Lord for all he's done. And that seems like a very, very basic statement, but how life-altering would it be for us to recognize that God is responsible for the things that happen in our life and to thank him for that? And then Maisie kind of jumped on board and said, I, I think I agree with Wesley that we should be thankful. And I said, well, what does that mean for you? And, and she said, or I said, why should we be thankful? And she just kind of looked at me like, what are you, why are you asking that? She said, um, because if he wasn't here, we wouldn't be here. And that is a very simple little, you know, few word statement, but like, think about that for a second. We can't imagine what non existence would be, but that would be our existence if it weren't for God. Sometimes we forget about that and we like to um, ascribe to ourselves maybe more worth than we actually are or more praise than should ever go to us. Um, the writer of Psalms wrote about it in Psalms 100, probably David, says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So you have to ask, like, why? Why is he starting off with all this like joy and praise? Verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. And some of the ancient mag- manuscripts read, it is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord made us and not we ourselves. We are his How we should respond to this knowledge is an ancient question. Like it goes back to the book of Job, which is not the first book in our Old Testament, but historically it was the first book that was written down. This struggle of like, how, how do we respond to a God who is unfathomably powerful, but decided to not just create me, but to take part in my life? And the more recent path that science has taken, where some scientists are doing everything they can to explain away the beginning of the universe. And this idea, like these kind of modern ways of thinking, this uh, of um, materialism, the only thing that exists is the material world, or naturalism, there's only cause and effect, uh, or even postmodernism that there's no, nothing greater than just us there are all ways of avoiding your response to this idea that you were created by God. You did not create yourself. How should we respond to that? And I think the response is to be the light. Um, Back in the beginning, in Genesis, in day six, God created man. He says, let us make man in our own image. Then God, like, sings a song. It's the first poem recorded in Scripture. It's in Genesis uh, 1, and you've probably heard it before. It goes kind of like, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's a poem. That's a song. And it fits um, with this idea that has been carried on for the whole first verses, the whole set of six days where God gives um, the key points in creation form and then a few days later, three days later, um, he fills that form or gives it purpose. And we see the same thing happen with man. He forms man out of the dust, breathes life into him, and then gives him a purpose. And he says, you're made in my image, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over creation. And uh, we did a great job of multiplying and filling the earth, and then we kind of missed the whole point about subduing it and having dominion over all of creation. God gave us form, then Christ died to fill us, and because he filled us, um, he gave us purpose, and that purpose is to join him in the work that he is doing here on earth. So I have another illustration, but I need the room to be dark. So if y'all could hit the, hit the lights and black it out. I have two pieces of cardboard here. I hope this works. Uh, it might. It's not super dark in here. Uh, I have two pieces of cardboard, and on the cardboard I've painted glow-in-the-dark paint. Um, it's, fi- it's hard to find glow-in-the-dark things. I remember growing up, um, like, you couldn't buy a kickball. that wasn't glow-in-the-dark. <laughs> I don't know when they thought we were playing kickball. It's just difficult to find now. So I found some glow-in-the-dark paint, and I left this. Oh, that's going to be difficult. Can we switch the, the preview from, from this camera, Randy, so the green light's not on? Can he, he might not be able to hear me. Well, now it's live. It might work. Can you guys see? No. Kind of right there. Dang it! It's too bright in here. Nathan. What? James is to find for those oh, for those outside lights. I think I think Isaac is going out there. So you might be able to tell the difference in between the two. I painted this one and this one with the same amount of paint. And Holly, would you just turn that off? There's a button on your on your left, on top of that red light, on the very top. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, you can you can see it a little bit better. Um, these were both painted with the same amount of glow-in-the-dark paint. This was left outside during the worship in the sunshine. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And, um, and you can tell that it's kind of glowing. Yeah. This one, not so much. Um, and it's interesting the way that glow-in-the-dark paint works. You guys get the, the idea of the illustration? We can turn the lights back on. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, sometimes things like that don't work. You guys know about glow in the dark, all right? So, um, so here's here's the thing. Glow in the dark works um, not because of magic. Sorry to bust your bubble. Um but it works because the paint or the material that, that glows in the dark um, has phosphors in it. And phosphors are a specific type of particle that when hit with sunlight, absorbs that sunlight. And it, the, the technical term would be it excites the particle. But what it does is the particle stores that light and then later emits that light back into the world. There is nothing about glow-in-the-dark paint that glows unless it is exposed to some kind of light source. And the other interesting thing about glow-in-the-dark paint is that it doesn't glow forever. That would be be breaking the rule, that second law of thermodynamics. Things are going from light to dark. But the cool thing about glow-in-the-dark, and I don't know if you had maybe a glow-in-the-dark ball growing up, all you had to do to recharge it was put it back out in the light. You could even do it with a flashlight. I brought a flashlight, but that's not going to work. We know that ahead of time. Um, but all you have to do is hit it with a little light and it rejuvenates that glow in the dark and it begins to then emit that light back out into the world. Can you guys kind of see where I'm going, where I'm going with this? That is why Jesus came. We were, we were created, we were formed, we were given a purpose, but we didn't have, there was no light inside of us. We read last week in Mark about the darkness that comes out of our heart. It's horrible. It's a horrible darkness. We didn't have that darkness, or sorry, we didn't have that light inside of us, and so Jesus came, and we read the beginning of John's gospel last week that the light came into the world, and that light was the light of life. Darkness will bow to the light. How exciting is that? I didn't read uh, this last week, but I'd like to read you a bit from Paul's letter uh, to the Colossians. This is Colossians 1, 14 through 22. Talking about Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Does that sound familiar? It kind of sounds like what we read um, at the beginning. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You guys remember that video about holiness last week? We're set apart. We're clean. We are his light into the world. And it's so interesting, right? You, um, we stare into the dark void of the universe and from what little we know about it, we know that from science, there is no purpose. It's going from order to chaos, from light to dark, from heat to cold. It's, it's on its way out already. And yet we try to make up purpose in our life. Have you guys ever looked at like the New York Times bestsellers or Amazon's bestsellers? Like it's just chock full of self-help books. Right? Your life is miserable, and so you need to try to think of a way to add purpose into your life. It doesn't work because your heart's dark. <laughs> there's no darkness inside of you to there's no light, I'm sorry, there's no light inside of you to find. And so we have these books like The Lighthouse Effect, how ordinary people can have an extraordinary impact on the world, or The Lazy Genius Oh, sorry, the lazy genius way. Embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. Like we have these like books that are trying to just fool yourself long enough to make it through your day. And then try not to think about it when you lay your head on your pillow at night. When in reality, our purpose comes from our creator. Because we have a Christian response to that same Whole in our life. We have books like Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life where he talks about these five purposes that he, that he kind of sums things up into. Uh, you were planned for God's pleasure. You were formed for God's family. You were created to become like Christ. You were shaped for serving God and you were made for a mission. All those purposes don't come from inside you. They come from your creator. I remember back in high school reading uh, John Eldritch's book, uh, Wild at Heart. And he talks about these desires that men have. I don't know if you guys have read that. If if you're a man, you need to read Wild at Heart. And there's some discussion there. I might not agree with everything that he has to say. But this idea that inside of us, um, we have a desire to fight a battle. And to live an adventure. And to rescue a beauty that God gave us those because we live in the darkness and we have a desire for light. We live in the chaos. We look inside of us and see the chaos and yet we're born with a desire for order. He and his wife wrote a similar book um, for for girls and they have like a similar set of desires, right? To be romanced, um, an irreplaceable role to play Um, A beauty all your own to unveil. Like, God created creation. And then he created us to play a role in that creation. You know, at the end of every day of creation, God says it's good. And then he ends it with, and there was evening, there was morning, day five or whatever. You guys remember we talked about that last week. He didn't say that on day seven. And it's because we're still living out that day. He made all of creation and and the penultimate, the cherry on top was the creation of humanity. And then he invited us into not just a relationship, but a partnership to bring light into his creation. I think that's the coolest part that he placed... Not just, not just created us, but he placed that desire in my heart to walk in purpose. You, and you have a desire in you too, and it's from God. Like, do you guys, like the, the feeling you get when you do your laundry and you put it all away, maybe laundry is not your thing. I'm not talking about doing the laundry. I'm talking about the feeling you get when the laundry is done and put away. Or the feeling you get, I got it yesterday, when you finished mowing your grass and you look out there and you've turned chaos into order. God put that desire in your heart. When you go to your job, whatever that job might be, my job is I get to go to the high school during the school year and I get to educate kids. I get to bring their chaos to order. God put that desire inside of me and invited me to partner with him in that. I'm not making this up. Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter two. He said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's no no crazy, you know, we could get into it. We could study the scripture, but good works literally just means a good job that you did and he's created those before you were born he had planned out the work that you were going to have to do in your life and then he invited you to partner with him in that and we talked about that um, a few weeks ago with the youth when they came back from, um, from Uplift a bunch of them came back and just realized that, like the, the breadth of what worship actually means if we like to think about it Sunday morning we come in here and we listen to Isaac sing some songs and It's powerful and we have that experience um, but on Monday morning when we're driving to work and think about the things that we didn't do last week we don't like think of, we don't want to consider that worship but that but that is that is worship you were created by him to do good works that he planned beforehand for his glory God didn't have to create us, but he did. He didn't need to create the universe, but he did. He didn't need to have a plan for your life from the beginning, but he did. He didn't need to buy us. He made us. He didn't need to buy us, but he did. He didn't need to redeem us, but he did. He didn't need to fill us. He didn't need to fill us up with his spirit, but he did. He didn't need to use you. He could get his work done without you, but he did. He invites us to take part in his mission, and our response to that invitation is everything. It determines every single aspect of your life, from the big picture things, what who am I going to be, what am I going to do, down to the little bitty things when you make your bed and that's worshiping God. And he's asked you to join him in this grand mission that's all-consuming. Because he's bringing light into darkness and adding structure and purpose into your formless and void world because all chaos is being brought to harmony. And he invites you to be part of that because Darkness will bow to the light. He's already paid the price. He's already filling you with his light. And he's setting up his kingdom on earth, just like in the garden, commanding us to fill that kingdom and to subdue it and to reign over it. He's asking us to be the light. Let's pray. Father, we... (laughs) We stand amazed at the story that you're telling from the beginning of time. That not only did you have the universe planned, not only did you have Christ's death, resurrection, and the redemption of creation planned, but that you had Nathan planned. And you had my five kids planned as part of that good work in my life. You had Springdale High School planned as part of that good work in my life. You had City Point planned as part of that good work in my life. That you're bringing light into our darkness and you're inviting us to be part of it. And so we want to live that life. We don't want to squander it. We don't want to throw it away. The universe is already doing that for us. But that we want to take this one life and live it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys stand up, let's sing this song.